Daenerys. Her brother held a gown up for her inspection. This is beauty. Touch it. Go on, caress the fabric. Danny touched it. The cloth was so smooth that it seemed to run through her fingers like water. She could not remember ever wearing anything so soft. It frightened her. She pulled her hand away. Is it really mine? A gift from the Magister Illyrio, Viserys said, smiling. Her brother was in a high mood tonight. The colour will bring out the violet in your eyes, and you shall have gold as well and jewels of all sorts. Illyrio has promised. Tonight you must look like a princess. A princess, Danny thought. She had forgotten what that was like. Perhaps she had never really known. Why does he give us so much, she asked. What does he want from us? For nigh on half a year, they had lived in the Magister's house, eating his food, pampered by his servants. Danny was 13, old enough to know that such gifts seldom come without their price, here in the free city of Pentos. Illyria is no fool, Viserys said. He was a gaunt young man with nervous hands and a feverish look in his pale lilac eyes. The Magister knows that I will not forget my friends when I come into my throne. Danny said nothing. Magister Illyrio was a dealer in spices, gemstones, dragonbone, and other less savory things. He had friends in all the nine free cities, it was said, and even beyond, in Vase Dothrak and the fabled lands beside the Jade Sea. It was also said that he had never had a friend he wouldn't cheerfully sell for the right price. Danny listened to the talk in the streets, and she heard these things. But she knew better than to question her brother when he wove his web of dreams. His anger was a terrible thing when roused. Viserys called it waking the dragon. Her brother hung the gown beside the door. Illyrio will send the slaves to bathe you. Be sure you wash off the stink of the stables. Carl Drogo has a thousand horses. Tonight he looks for a different sort of mount. He studied her critically. You still slouch. Straighten yourself. He pushed back her shoulders with his hands. Let them see that you have a woman's shape now. His fingers brushed lightly over her budding breasts and tightened on a nipple. You will not fail me tonight. If you do, it will go hard for you. You don't want to wake the dragon, do you? His fingers twisted her, the pinch cruelly hard through the rough fabric of her tunic. Do you? He repeated. No, said Danny meekly. Her brother smiled. Good. He touched her hair almost with affection. When they write the history of my reign, sweet sister, they will say that it began tonight. When he was gone, Danny went to her window and looked out wistfully on the waters of the bay. The square brick towers of Pentos were black silhouettes outlined against the setting sun. Danny could hear the singing of the red priests as they lit the night fires and the shouts of ragged children playing games beyond the walls of the estate. For a moment she wished she could be out there with them, barefoot and breathless and dressed in tatters, with no past, no future, and no feast to attend at Carl Drogu's manse. Somewhere beyond the sunset, across the narrow sea, lay a land of green hills and flowered plains and great rushing rivers, where towers of dark stone rose amidst magnificent blue-gray mountains, and armored knights rode to battle beneath the banners of their lords. 
The Dothraki call that land Reush and Dali, the land of the Andals. In the free cities, they talked of Westeros and the Sunset Kingdoms. Her brother had a simpler name. Our land, he called it. The words were like a prayer with him. If he said them enough, the guards were sure to hear. Ours by blood right, taken from us by treachery, but ours still, ours forever. You do not steal from the dragon. Oh, no, the dragon remembers. And perhaps the dragon did remember, but Danny could not. She had never seen this land her brother said was theirs, this realm beyond the narrow sea. These places he talked of, Casterly Rock and the Eyrie, High Garden and the Vale of Erin, Dawn and the Isle of Faces, they were just words to her. Viserys had been a boy of eight when they fled the King's Landing to escape the advancing armies of the usurper, but Daenerys had been only a quickening in her mother's womb. Yet sometimes Danny would picture the way it had been. So often had her brother told her the stories. The midnight flight to Dragonstone, moonlight shimmering on the ship's black sails, her brother Rhaegar battling the usurper in the bloody waters of the Trident and dying for the woman he loved. The sack of King's Landing, by the ones Viserys called the usurper's dogs. The Lords Lannister and Stark, Princess Elia of Dawn, pleading for mercy as Rhaegar's heir was ripped from her breast and murdered before her eyes. The polished skulls of the last dragon staring down sightlessly from the walls of the throne room, while the Kingslayer opened father's throat with a golden sword. She had been born on Dragonstone nine moons after their flight, while a raging summer storm threatened to rip the island fastness apart. They said that storm was terrible, the Targaryen fleet was smashed while it lay at anchor, and huge stone blocks were ripped from the parapets and sent hurtling into the wild waters of the narrow sea. Her mother had died birthing her, and for that her brother, Viserys, had never forgiven her. She did not remember Dragonstone either. They had run again, just before the usurper's brother set sail with his new-built fleet. By then, only Dragonstone itself the ancient seat of their house had remained of the seven kingdoms that had once been theirs. It would not remain for long. The garrison had been prepared to sell them to the usurper, but one night Sir Willem Darry and four loyal men had broken into the nursery and stolen them both, along with her wet nurse, and set sail under cover of darkness for the safety of the Bravosian coast. She remembered Sir Willem dimly, a great grey bear of a man, half-blind, roaring and bellowing orders from his sickbed. The servants had lived in terror of him, but he had always been kind to Danny. He called her Little Princess, and sometimes My Lady, and his hands were soft as old leather. He never left his bed, though, and the smell of sickness clung to him day and night, a hot, moist, sickly, sweet odour. That was when they lived in Bravus, in the big house with the red door. Danny had her own room there with a lemon tree outside her window. After Sir Willem had died, the servants had stolen what little money they had left, and soon after they had been put out of the big house. Danny had cried when the red door closed behind them forever. They had wandered since then, from Bravas to Myrrh, from Myrrh to Tyrosh, 
and unto Cohor, and Volantis, and Lice, never staying long in any one place. Her brother would not allow it. The usurper's hard knives were close behind them, he insisted, though Danny had never seen one. At first, the magisters and archons and merchant princes were pleased to welcome the last Targaryens to their homes and tables, but as the years passed and the usurper continued to sit upon the Iron Throne, doors closed and their lives grew meaner. Years passed, they had been forced to sell their last few treasures, and now even the coin they had gotten from Mother's Crown had gone. In the alleys and wine sinks of Pentos, they called her brother the Beggar King. Danny did not want to know what they called her. We will have it all back someday, sweet sister, he would promise her. Sometimes his hand shook when he talked about it. The jewels and the silks, Dragonstone and King's Landing, the Iron Throne and the Seven Kingdoms, all they have taken from us, we will have it back. Viserys lived for that day. All that Daenerys wanted back was the big house with the red door, the lemon tree outside her window, the childhood she had never known. There came a soft knock on her door. Come, Danny said, turning away from the window. Illyrio's servants entered, bowed, and set about their business. They were slaves, a gift from the Magister's many Dothraki friends. There was no slavery in the free city of Pentos. Nonetheless, they were slaves. The old woman, small and grey as a mouse, never said a word, but the girl made up for it. She was Illyrio's favourite, a fair-haired, blue-eyed wench of sixteen who chattered constantly as she worked. They filled her bath with hot water, brought up from the kitchen, and scented it with fragrant oils. The girl pulled the rough cotton tunic over Danny's head and helped her into the tub. The water was scalding hot, but Daenerys did not flinch or cry out. She liked the heat. It made her feel clean. Besides, her brother had often told her it was never too hot for a Targaryen. Ours is the house of the dragon, he would say. The fire is in our blood. The old woman washed her long, silver-pale hair and gently combed out the snags, all in silence. The girl scrubbed her back and her feet and told her how lucky she was. Drogo is so rich that even his slaves wear golden collars. A hundred thousand men ride in his calisar, and his palace in Vase Dothrak hath two hundred rooms and doors of solid silver. There was more like that, so much more. What a handsome man the Carl was, so tall and fierce, fearless in battle, the best rider ever to mount a horse, a demon archer. Daenerys said nothing. She had always assumed that she would wed Viserys when she came of age. For centuries, the Targaryens had married brother to sister, since Aegon the Conqueror had taken his sisters to bride. The line must be kept pure, Viserys had told her a thousand times. Theirs was the king's blood, the golden blood of old Valyria, the blood of the dragon. Dragons did not mate with the beasts of the field, and Targaryens did not mingle their blood with that of lesser men. Yet now Viserys schemed to sell her to a stranger, a barbarian. When she was clean, the slaves helped her from the water and toweled her dry. The girl brushed her hair until it shone like molten silver, while the old woman anointed her with the spice-flower perfume of the Dothraki plains, a dab on each wrist, behind her ears, on the tip of her breasts, and one last one, cool on her lips, down there between her legs. 
They dressed her in the wisps that Magister Illyrio had sent up, and then the gown, a deep plum silk, to bring out the violet in her eyes. The girl slid the gilded sandals onto her feet, while the old woman fixed the tiara in her hair, and slid golden bracelets crusted with amethysts around her wrists. Last of all came the colour, a heavy gold torque emblazoned with ancient Valyrian glyphs. Now you look all a princess, the girl said breathlessly when they were done. Danny glanced at her image in the silvered looking glass that Illyrio had so thoughtfully provided. A princess, she thought. But she remembered what the girl had said, how Karl Drogo was so rich even his slaves wore golden collars. She felt a sudden chill, and goose flesh pimpled her bare arms. Her brother was waiting in the cool of the entry hall, seated on the edge of the pool, his hand trailing in the water. He rose when she appeared and looked her over critically. Stand there, he told her. Turn around. Yes, good. You look... Regal, Master Illyrio said, stepping through an archway. He moved with surprising delicacy for such a massive man. Beneath loose garments of flame-coloured silk, rolls of fat jiggled as he walked. Gemstones glittered on every finger, and his man had oiled his forked yellow beard until it shone like real gold. May the Lord of Light shower you with blessings on this most fortunate day, Princess Daenerys, the Magister said as he took her hand. He bowed his head, showing a thin glimpse of crooked yellow teeth through the gold of his beard. She is a vision, Your Grace, a vision, he told her brother. Drogo will be enraptured. She's too skinny, Viserys said. His hair, the same silver blonde as hers, had been pulled back tightly behind his head and fastened with a dragon-bone brooch. It was a severe look that emphasised the hard, gaunt lines of his face. He rested his hand on the hilt of the sword that Illyrio had lent him and said, Are you sure that Karl Drogo likes his women this young? She has had her blood. She is old enough for the Karl, Illyrio told him, not for the first time. Look at her, the silver-gold hair, those purple eyes. She is the blood of old Valyria, no doubt, no doubt. And high-born, daughter of the old king, sister to the new, she cannot fail to entrance our Drogo. When he released her hand, Daenerys found herself trembling. I suppose, her brother said doubtfully, the savages have queer tastes, hmm? Boys, horses, sheep. Best not suggest this to Carl Drogo, Illyria said. Anger flashed in her brother's lilac eyes. Do you take me for a fool? The magister bowed slightly. I take you for a king. Kings lack the caution of common men. My apologies if I have given offence. He turned away and clapped his hands for his bearers. The streets of Pentos were pitch dark when they set out in Illyrio's elaborately carved palanquin. Two servants went ahead to light their way, carrying ornate oil lanterns with panes of pale blue glass, while a dozen strong men hoisted the poles to their shoulders. It was warm and close inside behind the curtains. Danny could smell the stench of Illyrio's pallid flesh through his heavy perfumes. Her brother sprawled out on the pillows beside her, never noticed. 
His mind was away, across the narrow sea. We won't need his whole calisar, Viserys said. His fingers toyed with the hilt of his borrowed blade, though Danny knew he had never used the sword in earnest. Ten thousand, that would be enough. I could sweep the seven kingdoms with ten thousand Dothraki screamers. The realm will rise for its rightful king. Tyrell, Redwyn, Darry, Greyjoy, they have no more love for the usurper than I do. The Dornish men burn to avenge Ilya and her children, and the small folk will be with us. They cry out for their king. He looked at Lirio anxiously. Well, they do, don't they? They are your people, and they love you well, Master Lirio said amiably. In whole fast across the realm, men lift secret toasts to your health, while women sow dragon banners and hide them against the day of your return from across the water. He gave a massive shrug. Or so my agents tell me. Danny had no agents, no way of knowing what anyone was doing or, or thinking across the narrow sea, but she mistrusted Illyrio's sweet words, as she mistrusted everything about Illyrio. Her brother was nodding eagerly, however. I shall kill the usurper myself, he promised, who had never killed anyone, as he killed my brother Rhaegar and Lannister too, the Kingslayer, for what he did to my father. That would be most fitting, Magister Illyrio said. Danny saw the smallest hint of a smile playing around his full lips, but her brother did not notice. Nodding, he pushed back a curtain and stared off into the night, and Danny knew he was fighting the Battle of the Trident once again. The nine tarred manse of Karl Drogo sat beside the waters of the bay, its high brick walls overgrown with pale ivy. It had been given to the Karl by the Magisters of Pentos, Illyrio told them. The free cities were always generous with the horse lords. It is not that we fear these barbarians, Illyrio would explain with a smile. The Lord of Light would hold our city walls against a million Dothraki, or so the Red Priest promise. Yet why take chances when their friendship comes so cheap? Their palanquin was stopped at the gate. The curtains pulled roughly back by one of the house guards. He had the copper skin and dark almond eyes of a Dothraki, but his face was hairless, and he wore the spiked bronze cap of the unsolid. He looked them over coldly, Magister Illyrio growled something to him in the rough Dothraki tongue. The guardsman replied in the same voice and waved them through the gates. Danny noticed that her brother's hand was clenched tightly around the hilt of his borrowed sword. He looked almost as frightened as she felt. Insolent eunuch, Viserys muttered as a palanquin lurched up toward the manse. Magister Illyrio's words were hung. Many important men will be at the feast tonight. Such men have enemies. The Carl must protect his guests. Yourself chief among them, your grace. No doubt the usurper would pay well for your head. Oh, yes, Viserys said darkly. He has tried, Illyrio, I promise that. His hard knives follow us everywhere. I'm the last dragon, and he will not sleep easy while I live. The palanquin slowed and stopped. The curtains were thrown back, and a slave offered a hand to help Daenerys out. His colour, she noted, was ordinary bronze. Her brother followed, one hand still clenched hard around his sword hilt. 
It took two strong men to get Magister Illyrio back on his feet. Inside the manse, the air was heavy with the scent of spices, pinch fire and sweet lemon and cinnamon. They were escorted across the entry hall where a mosaic of colored glass depicted the doom of Valeria. Oil burned in black iron lanterns all along the walls. Beneath an arch of twining stone leaves, a eunuch sang their coming. The Ceres of the house Targaryen, the third of his name, he called in a high, sweet voice. King of the Andals and the Ronar and the First Men, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms and Protector of the Realm, his sister Daenerys Stormborn, Princess of Dragonstone, his honourable host, Illyrio Mepatis, Magister of the Free City of Pentas. They stepped past the eunuch into a pillared courtyard overgrown in pale ivory. Moonlight painted the leaves in shades of bone and silver as the guests drifted among them. Many were Dothraki horse lords, big men with red-brown skin, their drooping mustachios bound in metal rings, their black hair oiled and braided and hung with bells. Yet among them moved bravos and sellswords from Pentus and Myrrh and Tyrosh, a red priest even fatter than Illyrio, hairy men from the port of Ibn, and lords from the summer isles with skins as black as ebony. Daenerys looked at them all in wonder and realized with a sudden start of fear that she was the only woman there. Illyrio whispered to them, Those three are Drago's blood riders there, he said. By the pillars, Carl Murrow, with his son Rogaro. The man with the green beard is brother to the Archon of Tyrosh, and the man behind him is Seer Jara Mormont. The last name caught Daenerys. A knight? No less. Illyrio smiled through his beard anointed with the seven oils by the High Septon himself. What is he doing here, she blurted. The usurper wanted his head, Illyrio told them. Some trifling affront. He sold some poachers to a Tyroshi slaver instead of giving them to the Night's Watch. Absurd law. A man should be able to do as he likes with his own chattel. I shall wish to speak with Sir Jorah before the night is done, her brother said. Dani found herself looking at the knight curiously. He was an older man, past forty and balding, but still strong and fit. Instead of silks and cottons, he wore wool and leather. His tunic was a dark green, embroidered with the likeness of a black bear standing on two legs. She was still looking at this strange man from the homeland she had never known when Magister Illyrio placed a moist hand on her bare shoulder. Over there, sweet princess, he whispered. There is the Carl himself. Danny wanted to run and hide, but her brother was looking at her, and if she displeased him, she knew she would wake the dragon. Anxiously, she turned and looked at the man Viserys hoped would ask to wed her before the night was done. The slave girl had not been far wrong, she thought. Carl Droger was a head taller than the tallest man in the room, yet somehow light on his feet as graceful as the panther in Illyrio's menagerie. He was younger than she'd thought, no more than thirty. His skin was the color of polished copper, his thick mustachios bound with gold and bronze rings. I must go and make my submissions, 
Magister Illyrio said. Wait here. I shall bring him to you. Her brother took her by the arm as Illyrio waddled off to the cowl, his fingers squeezing so hard that they hurt. Do you see his braid, sweet sister? Drogo's braid was black as midnight and heavy with scented oil, hung with tiny bells that rang softly as he moved. It swung well past his belt, even below his buttocks, the end of it brushing against the back of his thighs. You see how long it is, Viserys said. When Dothraki are defeated in combat, they cut off their braids in disgrace, so the world will know their shame. Karl Drogo has never lost a fight. He is Aegon, the Dragon Lord, come again, and you will be his queen. Danny looked at Karl Drogo. His face was hard and cruel, his eyes as cold and dark as onyx. Her brother hurt her sometimes when she woke the dragon, but he did not frighten her the way this man frightened her. I don't want to be his queen, she heard herself say in a small, thin voice. Please, please, Viserys, I don't want to. I, I want to go home. Home? He kept his voice low, but she could hear the fury in his tone. How are we to go home, sweet sister? They took her home from us. He drew her into the shadows out of sight, his fingers digging into her skin. How are we to go home? He repeated, meaning King's Landing and Dragonstone and all the realm they had lost. Danny had only meant their rooms and Illyria's estate. No true home, surely, though all they had, but her brother did not want to hear that. There was no home there for him. Even the big house with the red door had not been home for him. His fingers dug hard into her arm, demanding an answer. I don't know, she said at last, her voice breaking, the tears welling in her eyes. I do, he said sharply. We go home with an army, sweet sister, with Carl Drago's army. That is how we go home. And if you must wed him and bet him for that, you will. He smiled at her. I'll let his whole Kalasar fuck you if need be, sweet sister, all 40,000 men, and their horses too, if that was what it took to get my army. Be grateful is only Drogo. In time, you may even learn to like him. Now dry your eyes, Illyrio is bringing him over, and he will not see you crying. Danny turned, and so it was true. Master Illyrio, all smiles and bows, was escorting Carl Drogo over to where they stood. She brushed away unfallen tears with the back of her hand. Smile, Viserys whispered nervously, his hand falling to the hilt of his sword. And stand up straight. Let him say that you have breasts. Gods, no, you have little enough as it is. Daenerys smiled and stood up straight. <laughs>